Christ can change your past. He died on the cross so that all the sins you've ever committed, all the things you've ever done wrong, are forgiven. You were dead. He breathed into your lungs the breath of eternal life and he resurrected you. It is by grace. Now, now, right now, you confess and believe. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast about what two pastors are learning in the trenches of ministry, right smack dab in the middle of nowhere. My name is Matt Hensley, and I'm the pastor of Mayhill Baptist, and I'm joined by none other than Dr. Kyle Bierman, pastor of First Baptist Church of Alamogordo, New Mexico, and director of Replanter Development for the North American Mission Board. Oh, I forgot to mention my uh, my Lifeway deal. Yeah, you got to get uh, all your yeah. jobs in there, man. Got to get all of that in there. <laughs> the, uh, the managing editor of Lifeway, pastor, second vice president of the Baptist Convention of New Mexico, grower of bodacious beards, though I am kind of in awe of our guest's beard this morning. But we are grateful for our sponsorship with Southwestern and uh, encourage you to swip, uh, visit swibits.edu after the show to learn about the crown jewel of uh, Southern Baptist seminaries. Uh, God is truly doing a great work of restoring uh, what, what God is doing through that seminary, and, and we're grateful for the work that Dr. Greenway and the faculty is doing. But enough of all of that. We have a very special guest on with us today, one that Kyle even offered to have him arm wrestle me to swap spots on the Amazon bestseller list, which caused me to immediately wheeze and cry out <laughs> for my mama. Uh, but that's another story. This, this brother, this brother, I've been next to him. He is two Kyle Beerman's tall. <laughs> I, I mean, about 11 feet tall in pastoring a phenomenal church in Nashville, founder of an incredibly uh, helpful discipleship ministry, uh, he's an author, a professional giant, a purveyor of the best care in the SBC and all of that. Uh, but what some don't know is that before being rescued by God, this dude was addicted to drugs and alcohol, stole $15,000 from his parents to fuel his addictions, and was in and out of rehab. And so welcome to the show, Robbie Gallaty. Tell us about yourself, your family, kind of what brought you to, uh, to Long Hollow. Yeah, well, guys, it's good to be with you. Uh, I, I've been at Long Holland Ale for five, four years. I still can't believe God's grace in sending me here. Uh, I'm pastoring an amazing church. Uh, Long Hollow's always been a great church. Uh, at the height of the ministry in 2013, uh, our pastor then, David Landreth, got sick with cancer. And so Long Hollow was on the Outreach Magazine largest church list, on the fastest growing church list. And at the height of the ministry, I'll tell you this to show you what God was doing. He gets sick and for 15 months battles cancer and passes away in 2014. And so the church didn't want to lose their pastor. They didn't want a new pastor. And frankly, they didn't want me. I mean, just to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, but God in his uh, sovereignty, uh, it's, we don't probably don't have time to talk about this, but God spoke to me, this is crazy, in a dream. I had a dream that I was going to be the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church. And the crazy thing about the dream was it happened when David Landreth was still alive. Uh, and I played it off as like Candy and my wife, you know, who's the voice of reason. She's like, are you sure you weren't just at the church? I'm like, baby, God, I said, I, I was the pastor of the church. They were speaking to me as pastor. 
And that was six months before David passed. David Landreth passes, the search team meets for a year, and by God's grace, they call me to be senior pastor, and it's just wow. been an amazing God story. Now, somebody stopped me and said, did you know, years ago, W.A. Criswell went to Dallas on a dream? I didn't know this either, and, huh. uh, and God doesn't always do this, and I'm not trying to be mystical, but the reality is God confirmed our call. Now, why was that important? Because the first year at Long Hollow was the hardest season of ministry. I don't ever recommend following uh, a, a guy who passes away in the ministry, much less a guy who passes at the height of the ministry. So the first year was, was pretty rocky for us. Uh, one, because people didn't know how to express their, their emotions. I mean, they were, they were dealing with, with, with uh, you know, being upset and, and dealing with the loss of their pastor and dealing with uh, cancer. And now they have this new guy in here. I preach very different than David. Uh, I have a, a background very different than David. But here we are four years later, and I tell young pastors, in order to experience the sweet in the future, sometimes you've got to experience the, the, the sour today. Mm-hmm. So to savor the sweet later, you're going to have to experience the sour in the beginning, and that's how you know how sweet it is. And so uh, we're at a really good place now. Um, God has been kind to us. Uh, church is growing again. Uh, I got a great team here and discipleship is prevalent. It's been amazing to see people really latch on to disciple. We've always been an evangelistic church, but now marrying discipleship with this evangelistic culture, it's really something uh, that's amazing to see now. Awesome. Um, Well, well, on Twitter, uh, you shared a little bit about yesterday's service um, as you preached on, on suicide and depression. And, and then you shared just a really cool story. Um, and so if you'll just, you know, I think that I know is an encouragement to, to Matt and myself, and, and I think it would be to our listeners too. So just share kind of about yesterday's service and then, and then what you experienced particularly with, with one individual as well. Yeah. So I just shared, so I'm in a series called real life and I've wanted to preach this series for a year now. And, uh, just a quick snippet of, of my own life, 2012, I had just finished the year before, um, was pastoring a growing church. I had a brand new baby uh, who had colic for a couple months. And if, for those who don't know what colic is, uh, for those who do know, know what I'm talking about. For those who don't know, don't have a clue, but colic is uncontrollable crying for months without end. Uh, I had, uh, I was finishing my PhD at New Orleans Seminary. So I was flying back and forth every week for two and a half years. I still wow. don't know guys how I did this. I mean, it's mind blowing to think but every, every Thursday, I'd board a plane on Thursday, fly to Atlanta, fly to New Orleans, go to a seminar, fly home to Atlanta on Friday, fly back, did that for two and a half years. I wrote my dissertation in a month, which I don't recommend. And then, <laughs> by, the, by the way, it, let me do in my spare time, I'll write a book, right? So I did all that. And when I finished in 2011 and graduated in December, 2012 was a lull. And it kicked in what I didn't know at the time was anxiety attacks. I thought it was a heart issue, but it was anxiety and panic attacks. And eventually, after going to four different doctors, having a pacemaker put in in 2012, a doctor said to me, you don't have a heart problem. You're you're having anxiety attacks, panic attacks. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm a pastor. I'm I'm not scared of anything. He's like, no. And here's what he said. He said, Robbie, you've got a chemical imbalance that you can't beat through support groups and accountability groups and discipleship relationships. This is a chemical imbalance. You need to go on medicine. I was like, medicine? I mean, I'm not good. I've already been on medicine. I don't want to do that. And he said, you simply can't beat it. Well, long story short, 
it changed and too much changed my whole life. I got my whole life back. And so wow. I want to say to people, listen, I'm not a big advocate for taking a lot of medicine and being on medicine with my past. But if the doctor tells you you have a blood pressure issue, you're going to take a blood pressure pill. If the doctor tells you you have cancer, you're going to take a cancer pill. When it comes to mental health, it's almost like it's taboo in the church, right? Like nobody talks about it. And the reason I'm, I'm sharing that now is there's probably a pastor listening right now that's having these feelings of passing out, being overwhelmed, tightness in their, their chest, uh, feeling like the world's caving in on them, being overcome with emotion. I would just say to you, be open to see a doctor. Just be open to it. I'm not saying you have to go and get on medicine, but you're not a weaker person because you go see a doctor. You're not a lesser Christian because you get on medicine. So I preached this sermon series for the last two weeks. It's a four-week series called Real Life. Two weeks ago, I preached on anxiety and stress. This week, I preached on depression and suicide. I opened with a story of my friend, Jared Wilson, and you guys probably know uh, of Jared. Jared was a good friend of mine. He's preached at Long Hollow. He's been in my home. We've hung out multiple times. And uh, Jared uh, killed himself on September 9th, 2019. And it was, it was, a, it was a shockwave through my life because he was a champion for mental health and depression and suicide. In fact, the day he took his own life, he actually preached a funeral for a girl who just took her own life, if you remember. Okay, so I preached this sermon Sunday, and as I was leading up to the message, I began to pray on Saturday night, specifically, watch this, that God would save someone physically. Like in the ministry, we know, Kyle, I mean, Matt, we're pastoring. We see people spiritually change, and man, what a great thing to do that, you know, go from death to life. But I began to pray for the Lord to save someone physically, like a physical life, right? And so I started praying. And so Sunday after the last service, I saw this, this guy kind of waiting in line. He was an athlete. He was a football player at one of the local high schools the year before. So he was a pretty popular guy. And I'd seen this guy before. He waited in line. Big guy, almost as big as me. And he comes and he has tears in his eyes. And he waits in line and he says, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And I said, yeah. He said, I want you to know this morning I woke up and knew that I was being led to drive to the bridge and jump off this morning. He said, that's what I was going to do. He said, I got in the car. I borrowed my cousin's car, got in the car. I was driving to the bridge to end my life. And he showed me in his phone. He had on his phone a, he had on his phone a, a note letter that he was saying things like, I don't want to live. I'm ready to end it. Life's not worth living. I'm done. Okay. Nobody's here for me. He said, as I'm driving in my car, something compels me. This is only God. Something compels me to come along hollow. I hadn't been here in years. I didn't know what you were preaching on. He said, I come to the service. You're, I'm telling you, you can't make this up. I'm come to the service. You're preaching on depression and suicide. He's like, I realize this is me. He said, here I am, Robbie. I'm here. And I, listen, you ever pray for God to do something, guys, and then he does it. And you don't even know what to do. Like, I'm like frozen. I'm like a kid at the high school prom. You know, I'm like, I didn't know what to say. I'm like, uh, I said, uh, you need to come with me, bro. Come with me. So like, I got a lot of people ready to talk. And I'm like, y'all got, y'all have to wait. And I walk this guy to the next steps area and we counsel with him. We connect him with someone immediately. Cause if somebody admits that, I mean, it's, it's a protocol you have to follow. Yeah. And we were able to minister to this guy. And I left Sunday just so encouraged to think God actually heard my prayer 
and answered my prayer right away. It doesn't always happen that way, but I was so overjoyed from Sunday's yeah. time yeah. together with the Lord. Wow. Uh, I love it when uh, when he he does those things and uh, and and he does it often and and I think we've got a number of folks that are listening in uh, that just an encouragement to uh, to be specific you know pray pray and and believe God is going to to answer those those prayers in His way and you know for for me that was along the lines of you know God this has been a tough season for our church please just show me that we're, <laughs> we're on the right track. Like, I feel like in some sense, we're just kind of wandering right now. Show me that we are doing what you're calling us to do, because I think we are just show me. And, and that was ended up being this, this past Sunday or, or the Sunday before when those four came forward to, to trust in Christ, we baptized them uh, this week and, and, uh, and then had three more. And so I was like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> like, thank yeah. you, God. And so what, what an amazing uh, testimony. Kyle and I were talking about that uh, last night, yeah. and uh, so thank you for sharing that to yeah. our listeners. And and uh, so we we brought Robbie on not to talk about his uh, his huge biceps or his amazing <laughs> hair or his height or anything like that. Uh, we we ultimately have brought him here uh, to talk about a great book, uh, Recovered. Uh, and and so this goes this this we can say I got to read through it. Uh, this is your testimony. This is how God has brought you out of addiction and all of this. And, and one of the things that, that really encouraged me, because I've been guilty of this, is being that guy at the Dallas Baptist University that was looking for those Christian scouts. And, uh, and I think that's what you, you called it in the, the book, that you had this guy that was looking for something other than just another Christian scalp, uh, somebody that he could lead to the Lord. And he became a friend. And, uh, and so will, will you just kind of talk through that, that friendship quickly of how this guy wasn't just looking to, to lead you through the ABCs, wasn't just leading you through the, the Roman road, but was really taking interest in Robbie Gallaty as a person more than just a evangelistic conquest, I think you called it. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, because I think, and that's part of the reason I wrote this book. I wrote the book for a number of reasons. One, uh, to really give people a firsthand look and kind of a behind the scenes uh, experience of what it's like to be in the mind of an addict uh, and just journey with someone who's had great parents growing up, which I had, but, but lost parents, but great parents, all American parents. Uh, and then my journey from lostness, hearing the gospel, rejecting the gospel, uh, getting on drugs and alcohol, and then what that was like. And, and one of the reasons I wrote it is for parents and pastors and leaders to be able to understand who they're ministering to. Because if you've never been addicted to drugs and alcohol, it's kind of hard to understand and even have empathy unless you understand. And so that's one of the reasons I wrote. But right at the beginning of the book, what you're talking about is just the providence of God in sending me of all places, this is so crazy, to a, a Southern Baptist college as a Roman Catholic. And for those who don't know what that means, I was the target of every evangelistic class on campus, right? Like, like there was a game called Convert the Catholic. I was in the crosshairs and uh, I was like a deer in headlights and everybody was trying to convert me as a project. Like you said, Matt, it was a project for them. And I could sense that. And here's what I want people to realize. Lost people can sense when they're, uh, when they're a notch on the belt. Uh, lost people can sense when you're trying to uh, report numbers to the convention. What Jeremy Brown did was something radically different. And I'm not knocking my 
classmates because they didn't know any better. You know, they were trying to convert me. Jeremy Brown did something radically different. Here's a novel idea. He became my friend, Mm. right? Like this was a guy who shared the same interests as I did. We had the same likes. We both played guitar. We both were tall guys. We both loved basketball. And he befriended me. And what he did is he basically pulled back the curtain and he said, here's my life. And we shared life together. Now, Jeremy did share the gospel with me. Uh, I talk about it in the book. One pivotal time where he shared the gospel, I repeated a prayer. And for a week, I thought I was a Christian. Mm. Okay, I I thought I was. But there was no genuine repentance in my life. And here's here's the, the connection for those listening. You may have said a prayer or know people in your church who have said a prayer years ago, and some of you are hanging on to that prayer. But the reason I knew it wasn't a genuine born-again experience is because there was no fruit in my life. There was no evidence to prove the case that I was a Christian. And so the line I came up with is, it may not be original, but this is a line we use. Uh, if you want to know the fruit of one's life, or if you want to know the root of one's heart, you check the fruit of one's life. So the root of one's heart will be revealed in the fruit of your life. And so if there's no fruit, i.e. there's no desire for the Lord, there's no passion for lostness, there's no burden to preach the gospel, there's no desire to see people say, if there's none of that, if there's no desire to go to church and being around the saint, then I would check the root. Whenever there's no fruit, there's a faulty or diseased root. So for me, Jeremy Brown befriended me, he lived with me. He loved, he loved on me and then shared the gospel. And God would use that seven years later. Here's just an encouragement. Don't ever underestimate the power of the sown seeds of the gospel and the hardened hearts of people. Because we get as pastors, you know, we're sowing seeds and, and we're like, is anything happening? Is anything, you know, is coming to fruition? God used his seed sowing seven years before to bring me to faith in Christ wow. in 2002. So just be encouraged by, by what God's doing in your life. That's great. Um, now, we, we've talked a little bit, and, and this book is different from, from some of the other ones that you've written. You know, I, I read uh, Preaching for the Rest of Us. So this is obviously a very different book than, than, than a preaching book. Um, so for you, what was the process of, of writing this book? like in your in your own life yeah this was a very difficult book to write i have to be honest with you um so much uh, people listening may have maybe saying i've already heard robbie's testimony he he was raised catholic he got in a car accident he lost everything stole from his parents got saved and they've heard the 30 minute sermon maybe of this this book walks through 20 something chapters of being lost uh, going to going to school as a high school student, trying to find my identity. The book's really about identity. I'm playing all these parts. If you've ever remembered the movie, Catch Me If You Can, uh, I just pitched the book to uh, to a film company. Uh, you know the name, but a big film, Christian film company. And the vice president said, your life reminds me of the movie Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> because here's a guy trying to play all these parts, but I'm doing it in the world. You know, like I'm, I'm a magician when I'm 16. I'm a guitarist in, at at semi, I mean at uh, college. Uh, I'm a bartender. I'm a I'm a talk show host. I'll talk about how I had a talk show at one time and like a Tom Green type of show years ago. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to play all these parts. You know, I'm a I'm a professional. I'm trying to be a professional MMA fighter. I'm a car salesman. I mean, I'm trying to find all these parts. And finally, God brings me to the place where I have to lose everything to realize what is everything in life. And so. When I when I go through college, 
I'm trying to play these parts. And uh, one of the things I realized is that God had to use all of these experiences to bring me to the true identity, which was who I am in him and whose I am. And I think a lot of people listening would say, I'm not, I don't realize I'm playing parts, but we all are in a sense. If we find our identity in anything other than Christ, even as pastors listening, here's the challenge for pastors. The challenge for pastors is not to fall in love with the ministry of Jesus and fall out of love at the same time with the Jesus of our ministry. Because let's be honest, ministry is a seductive mistress <laughs> of any kind. And you may say, well, I'm not in full-time vocation. We're all in ministry. What I mean is we can get more satisfaction from the things we get from ministry than who we are serving in ministry, right? And, and, and it's the old idea we're not doing all these things to find our worth. Our worth comes from who we are in Christ. And man, I had to learn that through this series of events. So in the book, I talk about how I had a hit and run. I hit a guy in the book. I talk about he set me up, but I hit him and took off because I had drugs in the car. Uh, I talk about how I was searched with cocaine and heroin in the car after my back surgery. The cops don't find it by the grace of God. And even back then, when I, when I don't know the Lord, I look to my friend and I'm like, Somebody has to be watching over us, uh, even in uh, stealing from my own parents and going to rehab and relapsing after rehab, all these series of events. I want people to just be encouraged to see that even when we're down to nothing, God's always up to something. And just to be encouraged to know that if you're battling an addiction personally or know someone or have a family member, if there's life, there's hope. And uh, that's really one of the reasons I wrote the book, to give people hope. Thank you for listening today, and you can catch part two of Robbie's interview next week. Uh, Not Another Baptist Podcast is proud to be sponsored by the Christian Standard Bible, a translation that is both readable and accurate, and you can find more about that at csbible.com. You can find us on Facebook at Not Another Baptist Podcast, on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast, or on our website at www.notanotherbaptistpodcast.com. You can find our book, Replanting Rural Churches, on Amazon.com. And until next week, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare.